from MyPairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the MyPair Podcast. And Zach, we went one week with Erica and she quit. No, just kidding. She's <laughs> taking the week off. She She's in Napa at the CIA conference and it was just too much to do. Three people piped in from different places. So one weekend we're giving her a chance to think about whether or not she wants to rejoin the family. I think exactly. she will. I hope so too. But you might have scared her off. Uh, I'm sure it was me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, bef- but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get back at it next week, but for this week, um, before we get into the topic, which is probably the topic everyone's talking about, um, right now, what have you been up to, man? Well, you know, uh, it's funny because especially in light of what we are going to talk about, uh, I would, I would say that like, it's been a very normal, I don't know, early March. It's, uh, Taste Washington Wine Month, which here in in the in Seattle and the Washington areas means there's a bunch of events and promotions and stuff connected to Washington wine. Uh, so I've been busy with that. I have uh, some classes coming up later this week and just a bunch of events, uh, which is cool. Uh, and I, it's always a fun time. And uh, other than that, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's definitely like it's an interesting time of the year in my profession because we start really like this is when you start getting a lot of um, I guess like 2019. You know, rosé, whites, landing from Europe. And and the other thing I would say is, like, even though we've sort of – I think everyone kind of moved on past the tariff question and, and has sort of decided, like, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. And I guess it's certainly not as bad as it uh, as it could have been, um, sort of keeping the 25% tariffs that, that went into place on the same wines and, and not adding any new ones or raising them. But, man, I noticed a big difference on a lot of prices when I started seeing my pre-orders uh, get sent to me for anything from – you know, especially from France – and it, I'll be honest, it, it changed a lot of my decision making because that 25% is a big deal. And and I don't know. We'll get more information, I'm sure. Uh, maybe we can touch back in with uh, Mary Taylor and see how, how it's affected her business going forward. Hopefully not too dramatically. But, you know, it's definitely it, – it was it was very noticeable to me the last week or two as I was looking at the, the wine that's now heading to the U.S. and, and really looking at, oh, man, this is going to make – a big impact price-wise or it's going to change my purchasing decisions. So I don't know. What's up with you? Well, that's what's interesting um, because, you know, you hear a lot of producers I talked to who said they're eating it, but I, I definitely don't think there's as many as 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 eating it as aren't, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. like, I think the bigger brands definitely are. Like, we yeah. were talking with a bunch of the big Amaro producers, some of the brands that, you know, listeners would know who are all saying, like, yeah, we're totally eating the tariff because we just can't deal with uh not doing that um but i think the smaller brands yeah like these boutique these boutique wineries that we love they can't afford to so they're passing it on to someone which is basically the import distributors and passing it on to you and i think it'll be really interesting to see what happens i got a really interesting so today um i was actually um leading a conversation about like wine data and data in general in the alcohol industry at vin expo new york mm-hmm. um and we actually got a question that's pretty hard to answer but the question was from uh, an attendee asking, where do we think people sort of not fleeing the tariffs, but not wanting to purchase the wine that is affected by the tariffs are going to go? Hmm. Right? It's like, do you, is there a way to know like, oh, they're definitely going to go to, you know, to American wine or they're definitely going to go to European-esque wine that's coming out of South America or New Zealand or things like that. So you definitely can tell there are people that are, that are very impacted by it just because – um, you know, there wasn't a 100% tariff yet, uh, doesn't mean that this 25% one isn't hurting, uh, for sure. 
I think there's definitely a, a, a lot of uncertainty. And and as we're about to get to, there's there's just all the more uncertainty being added to the world of beverage these days. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a very interesting year on a lot of levels. So, yeah. So let, let's talk about the year of uncertainty, um, you know, besides not knowing who our candidate against old Muppet face will be uh, yet. We will. We are uh, recording this on Super you know, Tuesday. Just and, how uncertain, and how uncertain that is. Um, we also are in uncertain times. If you're, you know, you support him, come at me. Um, there is, there is a, a huge amount of uncertainty being caused by the coronavirus or COVID-19. Um, and I think it's interesting. I never thought we would be doing a podcast where we'd be talking about a, you know, a, a flu, an outbreak of a flu. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not in, in my, you know, six years of running Vine Pair with Josh, I've never seen something like this so majorly impact the industry. And it seems to be, from my perspective, one of the only things people are talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go to like Vin Expo New York, for example, that's all I heard on the trade floor was producers talking about coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. Um, there's been a bunch of big developments in the world of like wine trade shows I think more things are coming. Um, and then, you know, you were at, you're in ground zero. So I wanted to talk with you about <laughs> well, it as well because – Let's be clear. I'm well, not in not Italy. ground zero, but Washington Washington does have the first, I guess, confirmed deaths. I, obviously, I'm sure there are others in other states that we just haven't classified as that being the cause yet. Um, mm-hmm. Because as we know, um, Cheeto-in-Chief hasn't uh, done a lot to get the testing approved in order to – determine uh you know who has coronavirus yeah but that being said this is going to be something that will impact the industry whether it's you know actually a full-blown outbreak god forbid or it's just a lot of talk that leads to some places in the country being impacted and hopefully us reining it in more uh you know in a really controlled way it definitely seems like it could be something that continues to dominate what we're talking about as well in this industry for the next year yeah. Um, as we work towards a vaccine. So I'm, I'm curious first for you, like are you being in Seattle, seeing it impact restaurant sales? Are you, are people going out less? I know when I was just in Napa um, and then was in San Francisco uh, for a few days after that, it felt like the restaurants were a little bit less full and I people just sort of anecdotally saying, Oh, I think this is because people are like a little freaked out about the coronavirus. But like, there were no confirmed cases in San Francisco, so I didn't know where that was coming from. But now you're in a in a state at least where there are. So I'm yeah. curious what uh, what's happening there. Well, I think uh, I'll point out we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, March third. So this is you know at, at, as of this moment, uh, this is how things are going here. I, I don't want to you know I don't want to um, make any t- uh, claims, but that are too uh, too grand. It's definitely having an impact. I mean, I think people obviously are here as as everywhere are talking about it, but it has a little bit more urgency when you are seeing, you know, confirmed cases and, you know, some confirmed deaths. I think it's still important to remember that again, as we're talking about this now, it's still a very 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 small scale thing, at least that we are aware of um here and nationally and and really if the same thing were happening, you know, we had it, we've had a couple of really bad flu seasons in this country over the last couple of years, and that gets essentially zero press coverage because it's not new. And and I get it. A new thing is always going to have a certain fear factor to it, and, and I'm not immune to that, pun intended. But the thing I will say is, 
It's been quiet in restaurants for sure. Uh, it's always hard to know this time of year, which is always kind of a weird time post, you know, post Valentine's Day, but kind of before, um, at least in Seattle, kind of tourism season starts. Um, you know, it's it's sort of an odd time, so it's often kind of slow in March in general. Um, but yeah, it's been quiet in the, in restaurants. You know, uh, my wife and son and I went out to dinner last night, and it was quiet where we went um, in a way that was seemed a little atypical. I think some of that is just people being cautious. And I think that will probably be the state of affairs for a little while until either things get, you know, if they get worse, as you said, God forbid, then I think you will definitely see massive impact. And there's conversations about what does it mean? You know, what do we do? Do we do restaurants shut? I mean, shut down? I mean, I think that's a conversation that's being had, you know, do do people are people so uninterested in being, you know, in a potentially, you know, kind of risky environment that they're just not going to go out to eat uh, could happen. You know, we have to think about our, you know, staff and, and all that, too. You know, we don't want to put people in at risk either. And we don't want them putting, you know, each other at risk, essentially. I also think the other part that's really hard to answer is kind of like, you know, we we know so little about the disease at this point that that it could turn out to be, I think this is not implausible, that it could turn out to be, you know, one of these things where it's definitely affects people's behavior, but we normalize to it in a few weeks and people go, okay, there's some risk, but there's a little, there's risk going out in public period. And we just kind of accept that amount of risk because frankly, we don't want to just stay in our house all day. And I think that you're, there's a, there's a, a real chance that in a couple of weeks, people sort of decide, you know, rightly or wrongly that they're, they're willing to, to take some chances in their day-to-day life. I think, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, what I'm really curious about is how dramatically does it impact people's willingness to travel and to be, you know, both on an airplane and an airport around a lot of people in a very confined space and just their sort of tolerance for that. And and I think that's that's part of this conversation that I that I hope we have is kind of how does it affect that, yeah, willingness to get on an airplane and go, you know, visit a wine region, say. And and I think those are that's one part of this that is really hard to project at this point. Well, I think that's that is one of the biggest places that it is going to impact because so I guess last week I or two weeks ago, I guess I flew to California. Um, I will say I saw a fair amount of masks in JFK. Like, and now, as we all know, um, you know, it hasn't been proven how much the max protects people. But, um, you know, I did see a fair amount. I do think you're again, you're seeing companies that are making decisions both on behalf of their passengers as well as their staff. And that's impacting the industry as a whole, right? So um, we'll talk about ProWine in a minute, but Vinitaly, which is the largest Italian wine trade fair in you know the world, which happens in Verona uh, every year, um, last week came out publicly and said, you know, there's not enough confirmed cases in Italy where we're concerned. Like, Vinitaly will go on as scheduled. And it's always in the middle of April. And then this weekend, Delta came out with, um, you know, a statement first saying, in order to protect our crew and our staff, as well as our passengers, but you have to think this first came from the crew and the staff, we're not flying to Milan until May 1st, right? Mm-hmm. Then American basically came out with the exact same statement. And now they're also saying they're going to start limiting flights to Venice. So what that basically says to me is like, now Italy can't happen Regardless, if you care about having American buyers there, because it's a huge, for those who don't know what Vinitaly is, who listen to the podcast, it's a fair in which a lot of producers find 
tons of buyers, right? They, they also could find importers, et cetera, but like there's lots of Psalms that go, there's lots of, uh, you know, owners of restaurants and wine shops and things like that that are there and really come in contact with these things. So that I think is really a problem, a problem. And that wasn't because they, I don't think they canceled because they, they wanted to cancel. I think they canceled because the people aren't going to be there anymore because the American airlines made the decision that they don't want to fly to these locations, um, mostly to protect their staffs. Yeah. So I think you're, and I think you could see more of that moving forward. Like, are we going to see Delta saying, okay, for the time being, like um, we're only going to fly a certain crew in and out of Seattle. I don't know. Or in and out of Dallas. If it, if, if, if it happens there, I don't know. Um, but I definitely do think you're seeing people who are very scared to travel now. Yeah. Um, for, for what, whatever the reason is. And, uh, and, and look, it is the place where, where I think, you know, there's a lot of germs and, and like I'm, not concerned, but I'm a little nervous about. So tomorrow I fly to the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, and like I'm not concerned, but um, it's I'm I'm kind of like oh okay yeah this could be interesting yeah like I'll definitely have Purell and some stuff with me like on the plane like which I don't normally do you know I mean I'm definitely gonna like wipe down like the whole seat and everything I'm gonna wipe it all down. Because it is like one of these things where, as you said, we don't really know right now. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, it's gotten a lot of people really freaked out. Like, we don't know, like, is this going to be a huge outbreak where everyone's going to be impacted? Or is this something like, and again, like you listen to, um, to, to, to name check another podcast. Like, you know, and I listen, like you listen to The Daily and like, they're, they're like this massive episode last week about how like we could see a pandemic that's on the level of 1918 and, you know, with 2% of the population dying, right? And you're like, holy shit, if that's true, <laughs> like, I don't want to go anywhere. And I think, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really impact the drinks industry. And there's a lot of people who, especially these big, I th- and I think where it will impact the most is this idea, like what you're saying, Zach, travel and these big trade fairs that are really necessary for commerce to move. And like, I know that even Italy has rescheduled there. So they announced only a few hours ago that they're rescheduling for late June, but, like, in effect, it's kind of canceled because there's so many people who have, had already planned to be there in April who have probably put money towards being there in April who, like, who knows if they can go in June. Like, you know, there's other things going on in June, including summer vacations, et cetera. Like, it's not, it wasn't on their calendar for the last year. Like, who knows if they'll be there? So it definitely won't be at the size, I, I think, that it, is normally, it normally is in April. So we'll see, like, what is that going to do to Italian wine in the U.S. You know, and around the world for this year? Um, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts. What yeah. I mean, look, do you have any pause? Would you have pause about getting, like, if you were invited to Vin Italy this year and it was still in April, would you get on a plane and go? Oh boy, that is a really tough question. And I'm not sure that I know the answer to it. I mean, I, I think there's sort of the, the twofold question there, which is kind of like, I would have to think about kind of like, okay, how risky do I think this is for me personally, or even, you know, then potentially for my family, but I think the other part of this that that is going to give people pause is is not even necessarily just the question of okay what happens if I get sick which is a, a real concern and obviously the the primary one for a lot of people but for me the other concern is kind of like you know even if I you know what what if what is the what is the effect of you know potentially being away when something happens at home right like I think there's a lot of the concern for people about traveling is kind of like 
you know, their own risk. But it's also like, you know, people in times of when, when things are scary want to be, you know, with their families and loved ones and whatever, friends, et cetera. And there is a certain like, you know, do I want to take a week or two to travel internationally? And then who knows what happens, you know, in Seattle or with my family? I mean, I don't think these things are super likely, obviously, but it would it would be I would give it I would have to give it real thought. And my my inclination would sort of be and I think this is probably part of what played into the decision to postpone is kind of like in the end, do I need to go? Probably not. So am I going to? Probably not. Like, what's the, where's the, where kind of where's the upside for me, right? Other than like in a, in a, in a normal situation, I would of course go like, it's a, it's a, I, I gather a great event. It's an opportunity to, to learn a lot, to make some great contacts, to try some great wine, to have some fun, frankly. And those are things that I like doing. But, but when you add another variable in, and, and this is a pretty big one, I think you have to kind of I kind of have to ask myself, like, in the end, am I really getting enough out of it? And I'm sure that's what's going on. And I think that's going to be the real challenge for the beverage industry in a lot of facets, which is like kind of people are just going to sort of go like, well, do I really need this? Do I really need to go to Napa for this vacation? Maybe not. You know, do I really need to uh, go to this event, you know, this large event with a lot of people that I don't know and be in close proximity to them? Uh, Maybe not. I I mean, Again, I hope in a lot of ways for for you know my own personal and professional health and, and well being that that this ends up being kind of overblown. But I think it's silly to behave as if that's likely to be the case. And and you know precaution is not a bad thing, even if it is you know not fun and and sometimes you know costly in a lot of ways. I wonder, Adam, you know, is there is there something in this sort of uh, current environment and landscape where you feel like? You know, I guess what I would say is like I was talking to my wife about this the other day and and we were talking about how certain companies have already started kind of canceling not not uh, airlines, but like, you know, big companies of various sorts, tech companies, et cetera, are basically saying, hey, we're we're cutting out all non-essential travel or maybe all travel period for this time for the time being. And, you know, that is a big move for most of these companies who send people all over the you know country, all over the world for business daily. And I just wonder, you know, kind of are we going to have a year where people just kind of stay put? I don't know. That'd be a very strange thing in our modern world where like we just people just stop traveling. But it's not inconceivable to me at this point. Like I don't want to think that that's the case, but I could see that it's the case, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like I could see how like, look, we even here today in the office, um, you know, Josh and I got together before our staff meeting because like, you know, anywhere you look on the news, it's everywhere. Right. And we were like, look, we need to just, it goes without, you know, as we made a statement to the staff, look, it goes without saying, if you're sick, you should work from home. If you're really sick, you shouldn't work. You should stay home. You should take, you know, you should feel, take care of yourself. You know, we're going to make sure there's hand sanitizer in the office, yada, yada, yada. But I realized when I did that, that I have the luxury to do that, that like your business doesn't as much, right? Like what, how, how many, how many times can your employees, as you said, stay home and, you know, before you shut the restaurant? Yeah. Right. But how, but, but in the same regard, like Delta's looking out for their employees saying, look, this isn't just about like us protecting Adam who might fly to Milan because he's on his way to Italy. We also want to protect all of our flight attendants and our pilots who also don't want to have to take these flights multiple times to places where there's, where the virus is with passengers that might have the virus. Yeah. And same for you. Like how much, when does the restaurateur have to make the decision? Okay. I mean, I really would love to make the income here, and I've I've got an indication there are definitely people that would like to come out to eat, but I can't do that to my employees. 
Yeah. Right. What if it's, you know, what if I have an employee that is taking care of a sick parent at home or, you know, an elderly member of their family at home who the virus doesn't affect them, but they they caught it because I had, you know, I had my entire staff continue to come into work and they bring it home and something happens to that family member like now am i responsible i think these are the questions everyone's asking and then that's how it winds up impacting the industry which is what's what's so crazy about it right it's like so then how does it impact sales and the biggest place we're seeing it right now impact sales is we've just begun to see how much the decreased sales in china i think are going to impact the entire beverage alcohol industry that relies on china to help support a lot of the pricing first of all that they maintain which have a lot of these high-end brands that like have been able to support that pricing because China is such a massive market, which has seen a massive decline in purchasing over the last month due to the virus. And therefore, a lot of these brands, especially what I think is really interesting here, Zach, is I've heard this specifically from the big champagne houses. Their, their huge marketing budgets in the U.S. are being massively impacted because they, you know, they lost sales in China. And they lost sales, especially in China, during the one time of the year when sales are really important, you know, Chinese New Year. Yeah. And so, like, what is that going to do this year, right? Like, what what does that look like? Is this, is this also, I mean, not to be cra- completely crass, but, like, is this an opportunity then for some other wine brands to come in? Because all these champagne houses that usually have, you know, massive coffers that they can, you know, spend during our biggest time of the year, which is the fourth quarter, are they going to have that same money this year because they weren't able to earn it in Asia earlier, like, I don't know, but you hear this coming from a lot of different people. Like, we don't know, you know, we don't know now how we're going to, how, how, what trade are we going to talk to this year? Because we were expecting this kind of budget to come from China. What, you know, what restaurant promotions are we going to do? What retailer promotions are we going to do? All of that is like kind of up in the air. If, especially if so much, so much of your business was already in a part of the world that's been massively affected by the virus. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the theme of this podcast is there's, so much uncertainty and the more you kind of think about it and the more you delve into it the more avenues you find for for further uncertainty and and uncertainty is you know not good for really anyone but it's especially bad on the business side um because you know you you just have to make some of those you know at the larger scale but even the smaller scale you know you have to make those plays in advance you have to have strategies you have to have uh, things in in place to you know to to um to to be able to take advantage of opportunities when they do present themselves I do think like, you know, to, to bring this back a little more to what we tend to cover here and to talk about, um, you know, some things that might be of interest to our listeners, I think in particular, you know, I would say that, you know, um, for the time being, and this is obviously like very, very non-scientific advice or, or not even advice. It's just my thoughts. So, so please take these with as many grains of salt as necessary. And this is, again, you know, being recorded in a specific time and, and this information could be outdated. I think that some of the fear around being in restaurants is maybe a little exaggerated only in the sense that like in good restaurants we're already taking so much care to be you know to prevent foodborne illness and not that the two are the same obviously uh, you know a virus that's transmitted through um through you know sort of the respiratory system is going to be more transmissible than foodborne illness and so that has to be considered of course but i think that you know at least certainly in the restaurants I work in and have worked in, you know, there's a lot of attention to, you know, hand washing on a regular basis in the front and back of the house and in sanitizing and all those kinds of things. And and obviously we are paying, you know, heightened attention to that throughout all of our restaurants because, you know, both for um, our guests' safety, but also for, yeah, the staff safety and all that. 
So I, I think it's, you know, be be smart. Don't don't put yourself in a position where you're uncomfortable. You know, maybe it's not the best time to to go to uh, you know, a super packed um, you know, club or to maybe go to a establishments where you might not have the same faith in their the level of attention to detail and cleanliness. But I don't think it's time to just, you know, bunker yourself at home and in, you know, survive off of, you know, your frozen foods or whatever. I mean, if you want to get <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes. Um, but I do think I that, don't know, man. I don't know about you. I have a closet of wine ready to go. Yeah. At whenever I need it, I'm just stockpiling like crazy. So there's going to be a huge bump in the market right now in New yeah. York. Gonna be like, wow, why are sales spiking? Oh, Adam's out. <laughs> I'm Adam's getting ready. That was what I was going to say, which is like, you know, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago about wine collecting. And I was going to say the one thing we didn't talk about was like, how important is it to have a stockpile of wine in case it turns out you can't leave the house for for months? So, wine, you know, consider doomsday that people. prepping. I'm wine doomsday prepping. And then guess what? Then see the cool thing, too, about having wine is then the bottle is a weapon in case this is actually a zombie thing. Uh. And and then everyone becomes zombies. And then I've got this bottle and I can just go out there and be like, get away from me, zombie. So see, I, I think I'm ready to go. Okay. So that's what I think you need to do. And I would I would suggest the heavier bottles <laughs> in terms of yeah. the weapon, you know? Because you just never know. You don't want to go with like one of these dainty bottles and then just breaks on the zombie's head. You need that heavy bottle, and then we're good to go. And then just have a lot of frozen pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's survival one oh one from Adam Teeter, folks. I mean, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. You know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it is, it's interesting. I mean, it felt like it had, it had to be something we had to talk about, um, because everyone else is sort of is, is chatting about it. And I, I do think if you are listening to the podcast, obviously you're paying attention to this too. Um, but I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts, especially if you're in the, in the trade, sort of what you're hearing, uh, on the ground from people, uh, as we all sort of try to understand what this, this thing is in relation to also everything else that's happening in the world right now. Um, you know, it's super interesting. And, and having two of the biggest wine trade shows, we didn't even really get to Provine, but two of the biggest, you know, wine trade shows in the world canceled and both, I guess, rescheduled, although I don't think Provine's dates have been announced yet, is pretty is pretty crazy. And who knows what else will get moved, shifted, et cetera, in the coming months or two. You know, I'm supposed to go to the nightclub and bar show in a month in Vegas. I can't imagine that if there still has something happening in Vegas, that that's something that they're going to keep rolling. Yeah. Um, but who knows? And for you, man, in Ground Zero, stay stay safe out there, buddy. Stay safe right. out there. Yeah, I'll hope to be with you next week. <laughs> no, that was too dark, Zach. <laughs> I've been dark on a couple podcasts lately. I don't know what to tell you, man. Oh, God, I think it's because you're a parent now or something. Uh-huh. It it really does bring a certain amount of a certain sense of your own impending doom when you have a child. It's weird. Oof, yeah, man. I don't know. You took us to a dark place. Now I'm sad. Well, go have a drink. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to see Zach next week. I'll be so That's why sad. you got a new co-host, just in case. <laughs> He's already writing himself off the podcast. He's well, like, hey, you've tried to do it a couple it. times. It's only it's only fair that I get to bring it up. <laughs> well, can we can we at least keep, keep Nick? I well, as long as he survives. Good. Well, everyone, yeah, get your pure out pure out. If you're at tastings, practice good spitting hygiene, please, and. uh and yeah, we will we'll see everyone here right back here next week for another topic on the Vine Fair podcast. Sounds great. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please rate us or review us wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps people discover the show. Now for the credits. The Vine Pair Podcast is produced by myself and Zach Jabal and is engineered by Nick Patrie. We're recorded out of Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington, and also in our New York City headquarters. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair staff who help us conceive of the show every single week. Thanks again for listening.